And now a word from our sponsors. All her life, Joan placed herself into the hands of men who failed her. Joan does the unthinkable for a woman in 1960, leaving her small town of Gainesfield. As an accomplished musician, Joan served her country in the first ever women's Air Force band, San Antonio, Texas. She unwittingly becomes part of a brainwashing experiment. After her Air Force service, returning to society is particularly hard for Joan, so much so that she has spent a good deal of her life in a mental institution. As a patient in a VA hospital, Joan is found murdered. Small-town secrets, whispers behind closed doors, stolen records, serve to solve the mystery of what the hell happened to Joan. This book is a work of fiction, but very well could have happened. This is not a test. This is your annual announcement. This year we are offering Scarefair, which will be held on Saturday, October 30th at the San Bernardino County Fairgrounds in Victorville, California. Gates open at 9 a.m. and close at 9 p.m. General admission tickets are only $22 in advance and $25 at the door. VIP tickets are $45 in advance and $50 at the door while supplies last. In the morning, we will be offering trick-or-treating for the kids throughout our vendors. And for the adults, we have tons for you as well. Come meet horror icons like Joe Bob Briggs, Elaine Dietz from The Exorcist, Dr. Satan himself, Walter Feynman, and John Massari, who composed Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Don't forget that we have the psychotic carnival of thrills, where you become part of a horror story. Then, when the sun goes down, enjoy our live music as Roadwork opens for American Zombie, a Rob Zombie spook show. That's not enough? Okay, how about a Scream Queen contest hosted by the ladies of the Taki Horror Podcast Show? Or our cosplay contest, one for the kiddies and one for the adults. So gather your courage and come join the fun. For more information, go to www.pcehd.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. My name is Eddie, and today I have with me Matt from Monster Island. How are you doing, Matt? Doing good. That's Monster Island store, right? Uh, that's my tag on uh, Instagram, but I like to just call it Monster Island. Okay. Did you get yeah, that but on name? Instagram, it's Monster Island store. Okay. Did you get that name from uh, Godzilla movies? Of course I did, dude. It's my favorite. Uh, it's my favorite Godzilla movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Monster Island. I, I love the guys. God, old Godzilla movies. All that. The uniqueness about those old movies. It does something when I watch it. 
uh, compared to I don't get as excited today with the new ones as I do to watch the old ones. You know why that is, dude? Is because the whole magic of the old Godzilla movies was, dude, all these like, you know, Japanese people, huge crews of people sitting there spending hours meticulously on all these unbelievably real looking cities, little trains, little cars, lighted up bitty, uh, uh, light, light up buildings, little, uh, you know, outlines of a city just to be destroyed by a guy in a rubber yeah. suit. I mean, you know, I don't think Godzilla was ever meant to be CGI, you know, oh, tasteful yeah. CGI maybe, but dude, think of if they would have taken the same budget they dumped on CGI on Godzilla movies and literally did an updated, what's the technical term for that is it's called suitmation. That's the name that they gave that art form, um, suitmation. Think of what, if they took that same CGI budget and dumped it into updated suitmation and all that money into updated looking miniature cities just to be destroyed, it would be unbelievable. Would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a part of, have you seen Suicide Squad 2? Yes, yeah. I have. I enjoyed it. Okay, then we could talk about it. Because oh, dude, that, that movie totally takes a kaiju turn at the end, bro. Exactly, exactly. I was, I was, I was getting bummed out at the beginning because everybody was gone, <laughs> and I was I like, "What the hell is that?" And then, I and then the first like three, the, the first four minutes of the movie. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> spoiler alerts, folks. Um, and then I'm watching the rest of the movie, and then they get into the starfish scene, and I'm like thinking, "Man, that looks crazy." But then it reminded me of Godzilla movie. Oh my gosh! Like, if dude, I could, that, if I could like the Godzilla movie, this actually is pretty cool. It's good bringing back that that old nostalgia look. Is yeah. yeah, no, dude, and you know, not to have another spoiler alert, but dude, that movie, the last twenty minutes, is a full blown kaiju movie. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, and I loved it. I was like, whoa! I didn't expect it to take that turn. Yeah, from and, action and everything from. Yeah. From the building coming down it was yeah it was yeah I, I did not expect that either but i was kind of like this kind of wacky at the person i was watching and i got into it yeah yeah totally dude yeah yeah but then again man anything that margot robbie's in i could pretty much just watch her for an hour and a half and be stoked <laughs> oh yeah yeah she's a good act and she's a good actress so she is she is um, incredibly easy on the eyes and she is a very very good actress as a matter of fact, dude, the first Suicide Squad, I thought from the commercials that she was going to be the most annoying, and she was the least annoying. She, To me, she was like the saving grace of that first movie. Yeah, there's a lot of annoying characters on that. The way it was directed kind of was annoying to me. Um, yeah. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It was, I think, the direction that I was going, you're kind of like, where's it, where, where are they going with this kind of thing? Yeah. But the second one, I... I I think I like the ending a lot better. Yeah, I agree. These guys right here, these little Godzillas, I have a couple oh, of them. And I was going to, I went down to Target a couple of months ago, well, a few months back, and they had the boxes of all the, the Godzillas from the past. And my wife said, oh, you should buy them. And I'm like, ah, I have time. I'll come back and get them. I'll come back and get them. And I never went back to get them. They're the kind where the box opens up like that, and there's a Godzilla Oh, yeah, I've seen some of those. Yep. Once they advertise for the movie, those Godzillas are all gone. All of them. Yeah, I know, dude, because toy collectors, I was talking to a guy at uh, Spooky Empire in Florida, 
and he had a bunch of that stuff. And he's like, dude, the minute these come out, I go to tire target, basically clear the shelves. And bro, if you don't get on them right then, six yeah. months later, a year, you're seeing them for like three times the amount on eBay, dude. Those guys, exactly. that's their job is to find the good collectible stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I, I can't believe that I did not listen to my wife and 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 get them yeah. at that time. Yeah. Now you know, dude. I know. I know. I missed out on that because everywhere I see them, even when I go inside Frankenstein, Frankenstein's, they're like a hundred dollars. And no, I, I, know, I had the opportunity to pick them up at one dollar, but I did manage to get this. Oh, oh, that's a good one, bro. Yeah, th this is actually a board game that um, they put out. I'm a collector of board games, but when I saw that, I just had to get it. I haven't played it yet, though. I haven't been, had the opportunity to play board games in like a year, but I wow. have picked that one up. That one, yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a Godzilla fan, but I don't have many of the the toys. Do you have a, a large toy collection yourself? No, you know what, dude. I'm a mass collector, to be honest. Oh. So I got some good masks and stuff, and you know, working for Trick or Treat Studios, doing some stuff with them. That's kind of how I got you know a foot in the door. And speaking of them, dude, if you ever get a chance to meet Chris, the owner of Trick or Treat mm -hmm. Studios, you guys would totally hit it off, dude. He's a total board game guy. Oh, he's really? got a massive massive collection of board games i had yep. to stop because mine was getting to the point where it's massive and i've only played like 25 percent of them yep and, same with chris man and my wife i have them on the shelf in front of me where i saw like why do we have board games that you've never even played with yeah i need i need to get into them <laughs> I, I need to meet chris too um i need to get back into board games Going back yeah, to, dude, if you get to meet him, you get to talk each other's ears off about board games. That'd be awesome. When you worked, did you? So, did you work for Trick or Treat? I still do, man. I'm like, a, I'm a sales rep for Trick or Treat. Okay. So, Monster Island, my store with Monster Island is basically made up of all the, the brands that I'm a sales rep for during the week. So, I have a lengthy list of accounts that I deal with. Uh, you know, I have, uh, I have uh, uh, a bunch of Trick or Treat Studios uh, uh, customers. Uh, stores that carry the brand also rock rebel you'll see a lot of rock rebel handbags okay, and stuff yes. that i carry uh at monster island and then also retro gogo slash ghoulsville i carry a lot of their pins and patches and stickers but they're known for those big vacuum form wall decor yeah. like the general mills frankenberry and booberry and stuff and then also the classic like halloween wall hanging things yeah that's that's what retro gogo is known for i'm sure you've yeah, seen those. retro gogo yeah we have uh a few stuff from them our our Great. room is just a lot of art a lot of art a lot of horror stuff a lot of uh pop but not yep. just pop but the culture of pop but the horror pop yep. and stuff like that um yep. the retro gogo they they take some of the stuff way back uh and some masks that i used to like when i was a kid those ones at the ro the road band that just twists on oh, yeah. the back of the mask and vacuum form masks ben yeah. cooper and collegeville were the two big companies that made those back in the day Ben Cooper and Collegeville. Those were the two big yeah. vacuum form that came with the little, you know. Plastic uh, outfit. Yep. Yeah, it's funny, dude. Trick or Treat Studios has got a, a line of those coming out. Halloween Michael Myers. I probably shouldn't be saying that because it's kind of top secret. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. Uh, in uh, Next season, Trick or Treat Studios is going to be dropping some actually uh, vacuum form masks and costumes that are for adults that come. Oh, all no way. Yeah, dude. That'd be crazy. Um, yeah. They're probably going to do the um, Rob Zombie Halloween uh, Mike Myers yep. 
clown. I definitely know that they got some coming down the line, but it's really cool. Just making adult ones. It'll be a really great, like little novelty Halloween costumes for adults that want to rock those. Oh, a lot of adults rock those going yeah. take, takes it back to when they were a kid. Uh, exactly. That's how we trick or treated it. You, you either wore a you either wore a sheet over yourself or you wore one of those, or somehow you put some makeup on, but you didn't yep. fit in. You, you you weren't cool unless you had one of those masks with the plastic yep. suits. And it was one of those things, dude. You'd be at like Kmart, and you'd be like, "Oh, mom, I want to be like you know, I want to be Fonzie from Happy Days, or I want to be you know the, the Frankenstein bonds. monster." Yeah. And dude, you reach over and it's in a box and it's like three ninety nine. You know what I mean? Yeah my kids growing up they wouldn't be cutting those things but i think i think by by um them bringing them back i think it's going to build a little nostalgia to them but i think the kids will like them too but yeah i think couple, so too dude. a couple of years ago my kids would be caught dead in those things yep and dude you know what it's like with us man we're all just big little kids dude the collectors are going to want those too just to oh, yeah. not even wear just to have in their collection you know yeah just hang them up with the collection yeah. Yeah. So you collect masks? Yeah, I do. Any specific masks that you particularly like? You know, dude, I'm a, a, like I, I like a lot of retro style masks. Um, you know, there's some Don Post uh, masks uh, that I've got uh, in my collection. A lot of Trick or Treat Studios ones I like. But uh, yeah, you know, Don Post was the big company back in the day. We're flipping through uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. The back pages of that, um, you know masks back in the day in the 60s and 70s that were like 39 49 dollars each those are some really sought after ones that are hard to come by bro because it's like you know you're talking latex rubber you know what kind of latex yeah. rubber unless you like keep the things refrigerated you know are gonna last you know 40 50 years you know what i mean yeah well, and it's crazy with with uh collecting masks and stuff too they say that the best environment to have like a mask last the longest is like a moist cool environment and it's funny as i'm shopping for masks online and stuff you see some of these dudes with classics in really great shape and they seem to be all out of the midwest because dude having a basement to your house is very common in the midwest it's not common because of like yeah. earthquakes and this and that in california and dude typically in the midwest if you have a basement the climate in a basement Which is most houses have one. and cool it's like slightly cooler you go down like it feels like it's air conditioned down there and it's got like a moist kind of dampness to the environment. And literally, bro, that is like the atypical, perfect place to keep a mass if you want to get the longest life out of it. Sunny, dry California, bro, masks just literally fall apart. They get so brittle. Kind of flaky if you don't, you know. and brittle, yeah. Yeah. And it sucks because, you know, you want those things to last. But again, it's rubber, like anything, you know, like a rubber tire over time. And the California sun will just eventually dry out and start to crack. And basically fall to pieces you know what i mean yeah my 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 dad had this monster mask it was just of a of an old man looking type mask but it kind of looked like frankenstein it was not frankenstein but it was it was scary and just like creepy looking and each of yeah. us kids have pictures of us when we were little wearing them at wearing it at different times of in our in the periods of our lives like That's I, so cool. I was young wearing that mask and my dad had it for so many years even when we got older would go inside his closet and pull that thing out they just love retro pictures like man that's like the monster kid stuff of like that uh, that that made us who we are you know what i mean oh, some of those pictures though even in the pictures when i took when i was trick-or-treating they look creepy as hell 
from the yeah. old 70s uh, early 80s oh yeah yeah those pictures of kids the way that they used to dress even a, a plain vampire a kid with the blood coming out of his, his mouth just looked really creepy yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it did man so you've been doing this for how many years you know, dude, I've been uh, working in the industry for about 15 years or so, and I've been doing conventions pretty actively since about 2009. My very first show oh. being Horror Hound Weekend in uh, Cleveland, in, in, uh, Cle uh, I'm sorry, Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh. That's, their, that's the big one out in the Midwest. That's like a 30,000, 40,000 person convention. Well, well, which one's that one? I, I heard you say Cincinnati, but was the name of it? That's Horror Hound Weekend. Horror Hound. Yeah. You've probably seen their magazine. Like if you go to like uh, a bookstore, they usually have Horror Hound Magazine. They mm -hmm. started that magazine first and then they started doing a convention coupled with that. That was like, you know, Horror Hound Magazine at first presents Horror Hound Weekend. And well, that's the mid, like, the what's Midwest, that? The Midwest, they don't mess around with their conventions. They have no, their dude. conventions all year long, but they are serious about horror. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's honestly, dude, because the Midwest in particular, me being from Chicago and like pretty much all the surrounding states like Ohio, Michigan and Wisconsin, bro, there's a big metal scene out there. It's been a metal oh, scene yeah. undying since like the 80s. And, you know, horror and, and the metal scene go hand in hand, you oh, know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. looking at uh, some of the characters um, like from Iron Maiden. I mean, that's yeah. complete horror right there. Then you have Absolutely, Alice man. Cooper, Kiss. Uh, Dude, Kiss completely, man. Gene Simmons with the demon. He, uh, you know, his whole element, you know, he came from what we did. Reading yeah. Famous Monsters magazine and Lon Chaney Sr. Watching the old silent films like Family of the Opera and stuff like that. Man of a Thousand Faces and all that stuff. So, yeah, dude, it's all like a melting pot, you know? Yeah. Are you familiar with comic books? Not that much. I was based more so in, like, I was really big into the Hulk when I was a kid. Like, mm -hmm. I loved the Incredible Hulk, like the 70s show yeah. in the early 80s with Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby. But I never actually got into comic reading, no. Because uh, Brian Polito is a comic book publisher. He started out as being an artist and writer. And he writes uh, Lady Death. And Lady's Death is a pure rock horror <laughs> comic. Oh, cool. And there's going to be probably, I think, five of our comic artists there that have nice. had um did covers for actually six that have done covers for lady death yeah and, oh, he, sure, he, and, and today i mean anytime i've interviewed him before and anytime we talk to him the first thing he does is like this What's oh nice that? dude yeah so <laughs> completely rock and roll and you read his comic book or sees his pictures of, in the comic books uh that's all rock and roll and, and he's been doing it for over 30 years yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Yep, rock and roll and uh, and the whole horror thing, you know, has been, you know, even before Alice Cooper, man, like I'm a fan of uh, Screaming Lord Such that did that, you know, probably heard that 60s garage song. I'm in love with Dracula's dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah dude, he, you look him up if you ever uh, uh, get time, look up some footage from him. I mean, dude, he was one of the first guys, like, you know, Alice Cooper took a lot from him because even in the 60s, black and white garage era, he was yeah. in there with a top hat and a cape and like creeping out the audience and girls screaming, but then also loving it. And um, yeah, look up screaming Lord such man. He's an interesting cat, that guy. Yeah, I got, I got to do that. Um, is that early seventies? That's or like sixties. Sixties. That's, like, huh? that's like garage. 
Yeah, when the when the Beatles and the Stones and stuff like that were the Beach Boys and stuff, Screaming Lord Such was doing like a you know kind of like a horror host fronting a, a '60s garage band vibe. Really crazy dude, man. Really funny story that dude. I still remember on the radio listening to when I was a, a young young kid, um, Wolfman Jack. Yeah, dude, he had a monster vibe too, bro. Yeah, yeah, for sure, did. man. Yeah, yeah. Was- and, uh, I mean, even in the name, you know. Yeah, in the name and the way he spoke, <laughs> and he always, yep. yeah, like that had a monster vibe to it too. Uh, Black yeah, Sabbath. Yeah, now that I think about it, dude, he he was probably the first horror, like official horror DJ. I don't, I don't know of any other names that that come to mind other than you know, Spooky meets DJ. I mean, that was Wolfman Jack. He was a pioneer. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember anybody earlier than him as well. But I know there were some songs from the fifties and sixties that oh, yeah. um, had some of that vibe. Um, uh, yep, Love Potion Number Nine. Uh, Absolutely, the Monster Masters from the sixties or even fifties. Yeah, right? yeah. Boris Bobby Pickett. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. Listening to some of the music that goes along with horror. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, is that your your favorite type of music? um rock or are you you go back to the punk, uh, punk scene correct yeah you know what man i'm a drummer and i played uh uh in everything from dude i mean i've kind of covered it all i've played in funk bands hip-hop bands rockabilly bands metal bands punk bands wow. um yeah dude i've kind of got it all under my belt over the years i played pretty much everything so you pretty much listen to everything yeah 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 i'm a fan of everything Heck, dude, I even listen to a lot of like techno and I like, I appreciate dance music too, because it's very beat heavy and like anything that's got a good rhythm and a strong like percussive beat to it, I'm pretty much a fan of, you know? Yeah, that, that's pretty nice. Rob Zombie's music kind of took that techno yeah. element and put it into rock and it sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, totally, dude. You know who else did that go very well too? God rest his soul was Wayne Static, dude. Static X yeah, definitely Static did X, that. Yeah. They took that stuff. They took that metal sound and like mixed it with literally dance club beats yeah. and did it well, man. It's funny because I'm not a big fan of that new metal-ish era of the 90s, man, but there's a couple standouts and I, I'm a fan of Static X. They they had yeah. a really unique, cool thing going. Yeah, um, I remember Static X. Yep. Wayne Static uh, with the big sprayed up hair. I'm pretty much into everything myself. Um, I listen to a lot of uh, rock, like alternative rock was something is something different but it, it didn't have the whole rock vibe to it stone temple pilots was probably one of my favorite groups that came came out of the 90s because of the rock I element agree with you, you gotta agree with me yeah because i have of, to agree with you yeah because they still had rock and roll in them uh foo fighters had a little mixture of both but they're coming out uh with a lot of rock element today with yep. today's music yeah yeah yeah, dude, with Stone Temple Pilots, man, I think they got unfairly lumped in that grunge scene just because of the era. Era, time that they came out. But, bro, you listen to Stone Temple Pilots records, and literally, bro, they went above and beyond to make each and every song sound different, man. I mean, you compare, like, you know, uh, uh, Flies in the Vaseline oh, to, yeah. like, plush or something and it dude it sounds like different bands yeah you know oh yeah yeah his voice too he had one of the best voices of rock and roll uh i agree with you man 
Yeah, um, I agree Scott with you. Weiland had one of the better voices of rock and roll, and he was able to put his voice with that that rock sound. But every I've saw I've seen him three times, and I've heard several concerts that they've they've been in, and every single time they play, they say this is rock and roll, and they'll they'll they'll, they'll announce that too. In, yep. in, a, in a grunge era, they'd be like, "This is rock and roll. It's it's not your your grudge band." Yeah, no, I agree, dude. And they had some really good key elements too. Eric Kratz was a phenomenal or is a great drummer. And dude, oh, yeah. just the element, just the element of like the DeLeo brothers, the fact that they yeah, were the, brothers on guitar yeah. and bass, dude, those guys are amazing, man. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant musicians, bro. Oh, they are, they are. Uh they try to keep that band together as much as possible, but that's crazy. Uh one suicide and one uh, overdose. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's curse of the band, but uh, Scott Weiland, I, I really do not respect him for being that much of a drug addict that he could not kick it. But yep. um, what he did in music uh, for that band was crazy because no matter what singer they get, everybody's going to want to hear the old SDP. That's true, man. Those are some big shoes to fill, man. The the guy the new the new lead singer actually sounds it uh, sounds pretty good though. He I haven't like, seen him yet. I need to give him a listen. I haven't seen him with their new singer. Yeah, they have some new stuff out, but he he, he does the old stuff and he's pretty good with it. Well, wasn't uh, well didn't Chester from yeah. uh, Lincoln Park step yeah. in for a little bit? Yeah, that's who the suicide guy I said it was. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah he yeah. committed suicide right after um Chris Cornell uh, committed suicide. I think like I think yeah. there's a couple months uh away from each other and they were good friends too man. Uh, such a yeah. shame and so tragic man yeah it's one thing when you hear about somebody overdosing but it's another thing when you hear about a suicide from someone that much talent and uh that much publicity and have that much at their hands and feet that they could get anything they want but they chose to end their lives Bro, you know what? I've always said this, man, you know, when you're at the peak of like, you know, like a Chester and Lincoln Park or, you know, like a Wyland, I think Wyland's example is a little bit more appropriate with the drug overdose. It's like, bro, can you imagine being a band looking out in a crowd and having 50 to 100,000 people all singing lyrics that you wrote and then that ends, bro? It's like, dude, a lot of those guys turn to drugs because it's their, their only way to get even that slight buzz again, bro. I can only imagine, I mean, I played some good shows before, you know, nowhere near the shows that I did, but bro, that's like a roller coaster. It's a tough thing to deal with when you are on cloud nine. But it did not end for Scott Weiland. Scott Weiland got kicked out of SCP and he starts Velvet Revolver and boom, he's back in the spotlight. Doing the same thing. True, man. That was awesome. That was Guns N' Roses. I agree, bro. What it's a little bit sad and depressing watching a little bit of Valor stuff because, dude, you could just see as much as how cool he looked and how good Scott Weiland sounded, bro. The guy was like eighty-five pounds, skinny as oh, a yeah. rail, did yeah. not look yeah. healthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He yeah. looked cool as hell, but it's all about that skinny rock and roll look. But when he, he, he kind of he started off, stuff. he was he was a little chubby around the face. Actually, it took not that long for him to build his skinny look uh in the beginning of a of a of a concert he'd always start out like this he's wearing a suit tie uh dress shoes uh, complete look it was just like to the nines but 
he was he definitely looked naked cool. by the end that. of the night with just a pair of pants on. <laughs> yeah. But and dude, he was skinny as hell, that. but the way he moved, the way he danced. I mean, yeah, that was he was quite a character. But I yep. can't I can't imagine um, actually getting kicked out of a band and then starting up with Guns N' Roses. I mean, basically that, was. That, it was basically that, GNR with him on vocals. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Yeah. Chris Cornell too. Chris Cornell. He leaves um yep. A Soundgarden and ends up with Rage Against the Machine. That was a cool band. Audio Slave had a yeah, good Audio sound. Audio Slave, yeah, with his voice. Oh yeah, that was an awesome, yep. awesome band. I, I don't, I just, I, I, I guess you have to be in their shoes to understand uh, the fame, and then uh, during that fame, you're not allowed to leave your house. You're not allowed to go anywhere without being noticed or seen. Uh, yeah, that's a, that takes a certain mindset, man. You, you can't trust friends. You can't trust anybody. True. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. The minute you start making a bunch of money, you got all these people that are quote unquote your friends coming out of the woodwork, you know? Yeah. So what was your favorite band playing with? Wow, man. You know what, dude? I, I've got, I, I've been blessed enough to play for, for with some really good bands, man. I was in a band called Boogie Shoes back in the mid nineties in Chicago. That was kind of like uh, Chicago's uh, Beastie Boys. Mm. And dude, we got to open up for Outcast. We opened up for Fishbone. We opened up Fishbone. for Kid Rock. Yeah, we opened up for Kid Rock on the Devil Without a Cause tour. We did a mini tour with Digital Underground. Um, you know, my band Monster Trucks, that was like a horror-inspired skate rock band. We opened up for Agent Orange. We opened up for uh, uh, for Murphy's Law. Um, dude, it, the list goes on, man. I mean, they've all been unique experiences in their own way man but i'd have to say some of the biggest and most exciting ones was my band boogie shoes and then i also played in the in about 2008 2009 i was in uh, a band out here at, that was uh orange county based that was called the johns and we got to open up for social distortion for two of oh. the christmas shows in house of blues so that was great too i initially moved out here from chicago in 2005 because i was the drummer in the skulls and with the skulls we opened up for dead kennedy's we played with, um, you know, the addicts, um, dude, I, it's, it, it's honestly, honestly, uh, Eddie, I've been so blessed to play with some of my heroes, man. It's That's been awesome. awesome. I mean, yeah. I bands that I've seen bands that I wanted to see, I have yet, believe it or not, I have yet to see social distortion. Um, I, I used to hang out in Hollywood a lot and I used to go, uh, I seen, I used to get tickets to at least 40 concerts a year. And twice in one year, I wanted to see a social distortion. And, yep. and right at the house, no, it was the Ice House in Pomona, California. It's a little venue. It only holds like 300, I think. It's a little venue called the Glass House. And Yeah, I remember. I've seen social, shows there. Social I saw mindless self-indulgence there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's, it's the standing room, and it's this little tiny building. I mean... And uh, social that person still thing. around? Are they still around? Yes, is the still still, a venue? Yeah, yeah, they're still playing. Oh, wow. They're still oh, wow. playing bands. Um, actually, they had a, a big thing going on with a couple of the punk bands. Well, the Vandals was one of them, and Killer, that's man. one of my favorite, my, my favorite punk bands. But Me too, I, I went there to see Social Distortion, and the drummer broke his arm that day. Wow. So Fishbone stepped up and Fishbone played, which is fine. Wow. I love I love watching Fishbone. They're they're such a fun band. I watched them Dude. when I was much younger as well. 
Yeah, I just, it's funny, man. I just did a small event out here in Orange County about a month and a half ago, bro. And I was setting up for the event and uh, this guy next to me that I noticed from behind was helping this girl load in her booth and shaved head, uh, black guy, really cool style, like some dicky shorts. He had some Adidas <laughs> on and the minute thing, uh, and of course the alarm goes off my head. I'm like, dude, I think that that is Norwood from Fishbone. So I went up to him and I tapped him I'm like, bro, Norwood. And he turns around and he's like, yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm like, wow, the bass player Fishbone. So long story short, man, I asked him like what he was doing there. He's like, you know, it's my, my lady that I date. I was just helping her load up and stuff. You know, and I made small talk. I'm like, bro, you know, I, I used to play drums in the band Boogie Shoes from Chicago. He's like, bro, Boogie Shoes. I haven't heard he that in yeah. years, bro. And I'm like, dude, what's up with Fishbone? Eddie, he said that it's basically original lineup right now, dude. It Everybody is. It back. is. Rudy Walt, they got freaking fish back on drums. They have it untouchables. Yeah. They're playing with the untouchables. I haven't seen the untouchables since like 1987. Yep, and bro, original lineup Fishbone, that is a yeah. powerhouse band yeah. right there, bro. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, dude, everybody's back. We are OG lineup again. I was like, wow, dude. This so, yeah. Uh, Party at Ground Zero, man. <laughs> dude, what a great song, man. Yeah, uh, um, I would love to see them again. They were actually going to be up here at the fairgrounds on, um, I think it was March of 2020 at the no is is may of 2020 and COVID hit in march of 2020 and i oh. was and i was going to be uh interviewing some of the bands there yep yeah. bro my whole life turned to judge fishbone, fishbone yeah dude awesome you know what i love dude you remember the movie back to the beach from the 80s oh yeah remember how yeah. they're in that yeah yeah they're in yeah. the movie same uh yeah. Paul Rubin as a Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. But when Fishbones yeah, did their song, yeah. The bird, bird, bird. The bird is the word. Yeah. yeah. Um, around in the surfboard. <laughs> I used to just watch that movie. I used to fast forward the whole part just to hear, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, they and it opens playing, up with, yeah. uh, with uh, Angelo with his saxophone. He's got the yeah. green Doc Martens on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, remember that movie? It is a corny movie, but. Uh, yeah, fishbone being it, it was like my my highlight. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. I'd like you know anything for the '80s, man. I'm such a big '80s guy. You know, back on like horror, real quick. I think that's why you know everybody is still it's like timeless, and everybody is so big on you know. I specialize at Monster Island with a lot of the classic monsters: Frankenstein, the Bride, Creature, all that stuff. And then I jumped to the '80s, and dude, there's no reason. I mean, there is a reason why all those guys are so timeless and everybody's all about them now. I mean, dude, now everybody can't get enough of Michael Myers. They yeah. can't get enough of Jason Voorhees. They love Chucky. They love Freddy Krueger. It's like, dude, that was like the second gold of age, a golden age of horror. If you ask me, the eighties, man. The 80s was, was. But, but when you watch the movies from the eighties, they're not that scary. And, and Freddy Krueger being a character, that's more of a comedian, uh, yep. a killer. Um, yeah. But you watch some of those movies and they have the nostalgia nostalgia to them. But you watch a horror movie today and um, they're different. It's a different type of horror movie. Yeah, I agree. I'm uh, just not particularly about, you know, the saws and stuff like that. I don't, you know, mind that people are fans of that. But, bro, you know, paying 17 bucks to watch somebody slowly get tortured for an hour and a half. There's no there's no magic to those movies, bro. Yeah. Like you said, like Chucky's almost a comedian. I see little kids that are like 
four and five years old run up to the booth and they love Chucky mm-hmm. or they love Michael Myers and they got a Michael Myers patch on their vest and yeah. like you know what I mean? There was just a magic to the that 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 decade in the eighties, man. Well, the Michael Myers you didn't see in the eighties people walking around dressed as Michael Myers. Yep, which is very no, you weird. Didn't. You oh, know? that's a good point, dude. You didn't. Yeah, you you, you had to wait till like. Um, the late 80s where um freddie was the most popular and yep. people would dress as freddie but you never saw people dress as mike myers in the early yep. 80s it, uh, that movie came out in 79 was it yeah 70 yeah um, and dude when you think about it too dude you know uh, uh john carpenter's whole style of directing you watch especially the first halloween bro you actually don't visually see any kills it's all suggested oh, yeah. Yeah. it's all like yeah. a shadow or like you know just the whole like build up and it was like more yeah. suggestive and it was it was basically the friday the 13th with jason Voorhees was like okay we're going to be the opposite of halloween we're going to show these kills and yeah. come up with funny almost laughable super creative kills to where you know they took a different route it was like you know the arrow through the eye or whatever you know what yeah. i mean i think halloween would have had a different twist to it because of the name i think that they were going to call it the the babysitter killer or babysitter stock or something like that or like the boogeyman or something like that wasn't it um i heard some yeah yeah i don't don't know exactly yeah um i heard babysitter or something like babysitter killer or something like that but i think it it would have been a different type of movie being it was halloween the holiday i mean that that carried on with the tradition of halloween itself yep yeah, and I remember seeing a documentary where John John Carpenter was like, you know, somebody suggested, oh, we, you know, we should call it Halloween. And John Carpenter was like, no, man, we can't call it Halloween. There's got to be some, and looked into it. And they're like, wow, we can use the name Halloween. Like, there's, it hasn't been used. And he was kind of, you know, awestruck that, yeah. that that was an unused name and that they could, in fact, call the movie Halloween. You know what I mean? I can't believe today how... People are looking at the the third Halloween season of the witch because back in the eighties when you watched it, a lot of people hated it. I think it became one of those movies that people turned around and said, you know, that was an okay movie. If it stood by itself, and bro, if that movie was called something like Silver Shamrock or something, the movie itself is awesome. Yeah, you know, we're probably we're probably close in the same age, bro. This is my take also on season of the witch. A big reason for its cult following is, bro, that was a movie in the 80s that was heavily rotated on cable TV, bro. I remember there was a time when I would click on cable and you could, Season of the Witch was on a lot on cable TV, which is like little horror fans like me and you and our teens. Was it it on or select TV? Because I remember they had on or select TV and uh, you had to have a little key for the box. Yep, dude, I remember it. Like it, was it, was, yesterday it was before cable, before HBO. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny, dude, because you click on the adult one and you get oh, that yeah. zigzag line. <laughs> yeah. It was always good for a quick movie or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, real quick. You'd be yeah. like, oh, sitting there, you know what I mean? But yeah, dude, you know, the whole thing with Halloween was their their ID, their their goal after Halloween, too, which a lot of Halloween fans know already, was that they were trying to build each movie after that as its own unique movie and it didn't you know and because of the backlash of michael myers not having more of a presence 
and Halloween 3, they went back to Michael Myers movies with Halloween 4. But again, yeah. bro, you know, I mean, Halloween Season of the Witch, it was a really it was cool a really movie. Good movie. It was. I mean, Warlock Eye was freaking scary, bro. And like the whole concept. And, you know, the, you know, here's a little tidbit, bro. Me being a mask collector, I have a big book that's all about the history of Don Post Studios. Oh, really? And they were the guys that made the, the witch and the, the, the pumpkin and the skull yeah. mask. That's what bro, I was just going to tell you. Scenes, bro, those scenes that were, you know, at Silver Shamrock, bro, they were filmed at Don Post Studios. Yeah. There's a whole section of my book that talks about how the guys that were working shipping and receivings for Don Post Mass in the 80s were all frustrated because once they closed at five o'clock, it became Silver Shamrock. And that Silver Shamrock factory was, in fact, at Don Post Studios. Yeah. Dude, when I read it, I was like, oh, my God, that is just so cool as well, a mass collector to learn one that. Of my friends at that time, one of my friends at that time, his, his family business was making mannequins. So I oh, wow. had pieces of mannequins here and there. And I went inside his brother's room. He said, come back. Come back. You guys got to check out my brother's room. It's, it's crazy. It's different. And walk in there. And one of the first things I see is the pumpkin head, the pumpkin mask. For that. Yeah, so, my brother made that mask. He works, wow. for, he works for the studios. Wow, I was just dude. like, I was just like, oh, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Those aren't crazy. It, it was in a glass case. Nobody could touch it. Wow. Yeah, the last time, uh, you know, Trick or Treat Studios has the Halloween license now, and they make the updated versions of those three masks, and there's glow-in-the-dark ones coming next season, but they make them with the chip and everything. But, bro, last time I saw a collection of the original Don Post ones from the 80s, a guy on eBay about three or four months ago had three of them for $1,800 he was selling the three, oh, the wow. set for. Yeah, and that was the original Don Post uh pumpkin witch and skull from the 80s don post ones yeah. those didn't come by cheap for sure but i saw you at um killer circus this past weekend and, yeah and i was wearing a shirt that i get tons of compliments on and yeah it was the season of witch shirt wasn't it a newer one from creepy uh company and, oh, they make cool shirts, man. Yeah, and I and my wife bought that one for me, and, and I wore it. But I get a lot of compliments wearing that shirt. I get surprised because I don't think I didn't. I never thought how many people would like that movie because of the backlash that it had back in the eighties. Huge cult following yeah, for that yeah. movie, bro. Huge cult following. Yeah. Yep. And like I said, dude, it was all about that movie that was on rotation so much in the eighties. That, you know, it's, again, one of those things, like I said earlier, we're just bigger little kids, like those those things that impacted us as a child still are things that we're into today. So I think that has a lot to do with why so many people are into that movie in particular. It's kind of trippy how um, things just go back and then come back and then even with, with, with styles and music, types of music, they yep. change and they evolve. They always go backwards and forward. Uh, yeah, they do. They always come back. They eventually come back. It's almost like in 10 year cycles. You know, what was cool yeah. 10 years ago in fashion is what's cool now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've always I've noticed that. Now, you do a lot of um, conventions, a lot of expos. Um, yep. You do them around the country? Yeah, all over the place, man. When I don't do Monster Island at smaller events, I'm Trick or Treat Studios uh, events manager. So at the bigger ticket shows like, uh, at the end of October, 
I'm going to uh, Florida to do Spooky Empire. That's Florida's big convention that they have twice a year. Um, next weekend, I'll be in Texas at Texas Frightmare Weekend. That's Texas's big convention. And then, yeah, with like the big, uh, like pop-up markets and like newer shows and stuff like that, I like sticking to my own thing and I do Monster Island at those, those shows. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Do you have a particular show that you like the most? Oh, Monster Palooza was just canceled. Did you... Were you going to go there? Yes, I was supposed to be there. And I just got that email the other day. It sucks, man, because Elliot, the guy that throws that show, is a really, really good dude. I've been doing Monster Palooza since their very first show, which was in 2010. And it's crazy because being a sales rep for the brands that I sell, I used to go to like Borders and the bookstores or Barnes and Nobles and just flip through horror magazines, bro. And you look toward the back. And a lot of these smaller monster stores and stuff will advertise in the back saying, hey, we're like the horror store in Cincinnati or here or wherever. And Monster Palooza, you know, had an ad in one of those magazines in 2010 that said, uh, celebrating the art of monsters, Monster Palooza, LA's first monster convention. Yeah. And I reached out to Elliot and I've been, I've done every single Monster Palooza. I think um, as far as expos go, I think the, only expo during that time now is uh scare fair during the one that you're having on uh, that weekend yes. october 30th yes i agree man i don't yes. think it could be a better weekend even if you tried bro halloween weekend yeah. you know scare fair is on halloween weekend um there we have about 60 vendors we have um about 10 celebrity guests 10 comic book artists a haunted maze a uh, site's uh, called uh, psychotic carnival of thrills and then we have um two bands playing world work is opening for uh, american zombie and american zombie is a rob zombie truly band that's so, awesome so it's going to be yeah like really i said to you too eddie at at, at uh at uh what i said to you at killer circus just to give the uh scarefer a, a little nice little plug is bro one of the things i became a pro at in 15 years is when a show is going to be bad and good and you get vibes off of like i just i've got i just know what shows are going to be good, what shows might not be that great, which ones might be a waste of time. And bro, I just got a very good vibe from you, the way that you approached me, the way that I was initially heard and saw about Scarefare. The marketing is a huge deal, bro. Your whole layout looks very professional. The graphics look great. Scarefare is a cool, unique name. You know what I mean? Um, Victorville is a part of time where there's nothing like that going on. Coupled with it being on Halloween weekend, bro, bro, it's like bing, bing, bing. It's like three, you know, golden flags of like, dude, this is at least going to be more than decent, if not spectacular, which is why I even Thank signed you. up for Scarefire. I just got a very good vibe from you. Thank you. Um, I A lot of credit goes to, I did not come up with the name. Uh, uh, Dave Montoya did, and he's the one that came with the idea to start it. And uh, I have to give a lot of credit to my graphic designer uh, who's been working on alongside thing. Her name is Jenna Sparks. I would have an idea. I would have an idea in my head and um, I would give her the idea of what direction we wanted to go in. What, I, what my vision was going with uh, everything that they've asked me to do. And uh, she would knock it out of the park every time i mean there's sometimes when we i've had to uh ask for something <laughs> and i felt very guilty about it uh redone but yeah she knocked everything out of the park i think i think um 
at this point in the game, I've seen so many different um, uh, advertisings in the past to like Midsummer and um, some other ones that would come up. I think she did something that changed the look because I'm starting to see a lot of her work and other people's events. Yep. And, and no, it's true, bro. That graphic person is a key person to have, man. Yeah. You know, they need to be, they have, to have, they have to have an artist's eye. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So yeah. a lot of credit goes to her. Uh, yeah, yeah. I even saw your guys' banners that you had this past weekend and stuff. Those look awesome, man. Yeah. And dude, just the job promotion-wise that you're doing, bro. Flyers, Facebook, blowing up Instagram at every you know show that matters, handing out flyers, bro. You got to go old school. You know, yeah. flyers still do work, bro. You can't just set up a Facebook page and expect people to show up. You're shooting, shoot, shooting yourself in the foot. You got to be there on people's faces. You got to blow up online, literally every angle that you can think about that you're doing, that you're pursuing is going to be beneficial, man. It's going to yeah. be very beneficial for your show. Yeah, I felt the same way too. Victorville is a, um, it's a growing town. It's a growing city. And, and then you have Hesperia and Apple Valley and Adelanto feeling that surround it, but Victorville is growing. And there's a, a fairground up here. It's San Bernardino Fairground. San Bernardino being the largest county in the nation. And uh, it's right here in Victorville. And they've never had anything like this before. Yeah. And it, this is actually a Comic-Con because I have the comic book writers with this. And then it's actually um, a, a Halloween Expo combined. So yeah. I'm hoping to get uh, a lot from the, the comic book artists they really just promote themselves. And well, no matter what town they're in, they're going to get people over there. Uh, yep. As long as the comic stores are, are pushing the flyers, they're pushing themselves on their websites. And people that follow them, they'll, they'll come. The comic book artists I'm not worried about. But uh, people showing up here in Victorville, this is for, for Victorville, man. Yeah, not only that, bro. You know what, Arbor, I think you're going to score, Eddie. It's like, when, you know, like I mentioned, uh, uh, spooky empire in florida they have two shows they have one in april and then their second show is always in october whatever the closest weekend to halloween weekend that they could book if they can't get actually halloween weekend they'll do it like before but whatever the closest one is and they have like maybe basically half the attendees in april there's a lot of vendors that don't even do their april one oh, wow. because their mother one is in october because bro again it's like a bunch of floridians that aren't necessarily fans of horror that they just want something Halloweeny to do that weekend, and they come out, do that. It calls, you know, it's literally, you know, a, another twenty thousand people come up because it's the Halloween thing that they do every year. They go to yeah. Spooky Empire. They're not watching horror movies year round, but it's like that thing that they do every Halloween to celebrate the season by going to horror, by going to Spooky Empire. And bro, I yeah. think you're going to bring in a lot of people just because of the day before Halloween. People are going to want to do spooky stuff that weekend. It might not be just horror fans, but also, again, a bunch of people that just want to do something for Halloween. You know what I mean? And I think uh, because of COVID last year, pretty, pretty much Halloween shut down uh, from yep. trick-or-treating to events to haunted, haunted houses and stuff. Um, there were a few drive-through haunted houses, but I think people just miss getting out. Like you said, they miss getting out. They miss going to, to shows or expos or or anywhere trick-or-treating too we we included trick-or-treating in our event because we yeah. want them to be able to bring the family with them 
No, some... I think it's going to be good, man. I got a really good feeling about it. I think it's going to be great. Thank you. I think it'd be great as well. Well, that's about time. That's about time that we have. Uh, it looks like you're getting pretty tired too. <laughs> oh, no, it's just been a longer day, but yeah, right around this time, older age, dude, you start getting like a grandpa throwing a movie and you're asleep by 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny because now, nowadays, uh, we used to sit there and watch TV. Like we'd come in the room, lay down, watch TV. As soon as I hit the bed, I'm out. I can't. I can't stay up anymore. Yeah, my. Dude, age, if I could make it through a whole movie these days, I'm like, wow, that was uh that was a feat that I just conquered. You know. Yeah, gotta start watching a movie at three o'clock in the afternoon to get through with it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, Matt. It's great talking to you. Thank you for coming on. I, I had a great time. Awesome, man. Me too, dude. I cannot wait for your event, Eddie. I hope it's a huge success. Thank you. Uh, tickets are on sale now for those of you that don't know. Scare Fair, Victorville, California, San Bernardino Fairgrounds. Uh, we got Walter Phelan from House of Thousand Corpses. He's uh, Dr. Satan. Got uh, Eileen Dietz from uh, The Exorcist. She played the, the demon. We got Lisa Wilcox from um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, three and four. We uh, Four and five, I think. Um, we have... Uh, uh, John Rosari, he's a composer for Killer Clowns. A lot of great people. We also have, oh, can't we forget this? We have the biggest guy, uh, Joe Bob's Briggs, too. He's going to be there. So, oh, dude, he's always a good one, man. So he's going to be there with his manager, Darcy, is going to be there as well. So, Killer, come, man. Come out and check us out, and I'll see you then. If I don't okay, see you, at, if I don't see you at some other expos or conventions or pop ups. All right, good talking to you. See Thanks, you guys. Bro. Good Appreciate night. it, Eddie. Have a good night, brother. You too. Bye-bye.